Welcome everybody, this is Peter Ravella and you're on a special edition of the American Shoreline Podcast, the post-game show from the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association's National Conference in Galveston, Texas. Tyler, we get to talk about what happened. Well, it's been a fantastic conference. We're sitting here in the windward room of the conference center with a fantastic panel of people. I think the first order of business is for us to all introduce ourselves. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hand it over here to Liz. Liz, tell us about uh, your organization and what you do. Thanks, Tyler. Uh, my name is Liz Scray. Uh, I'm a communications professional with the Environmental Defense Fund and Restore the Mississippi River Delta Coalition. Uh, this is my first ASBPA conference, um, so it's been really great meeting everyone and talking with everyone about uh, the work we're doing advocating for large-scale coastal restoration in Louisiana. Thank you. Go ahead. Uh, my name is Jun Chen. I'm from uh, University of South Florida, and um, right now I'm a postdoc, and uh, basically I'm studying beach erosion. And uh, this is my actually third time, maybe fourth time, come to ASBPA. And this is the first time I see this amount of the most largest amount of group of people, I think. And uh, I learned a lot from uh, many diverse uh, people from different backgrounds and it really uh, broadened my horizon to, to look at things. And uh, yeah, I, I, I would say this yeah, so absolutely. far. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think definitely one of the things I have seen certainly, and, and uh, I'm curious if we all kind of share this observation, but certainly this conference has was bigger um, I thought that the conference center, also just like the layout, was fantastic. We'll get to Corey down there in a second, but <laughs> I've got all the stats. <laughs> but uh, the conference seemed to run very well. And anyway, Taylor, tell us about you. Awesome. Um, I'm Taylor Zimmerman. I'm a master's student at Stevens Institute in Hoboken, New Jersey. Um, this is my first SBPA conference. It's been a great time so far. I've learned a lot. Um, yeah, I'm excited to come to the next the next what are, few. What are you uh, What are you studying? So I'm studying coastal engineering. Um, concentrated mostly living shorelines work. I've done some work with drones. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, relative stuff. Cool. Well, I'm really excited to get back to you and learn a little bit more about uh, some of the presentations that you uh, found to be particularly interesting. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to move along here, Corey. Uh, you're we see a lot of you around. You're a very yeah. busy guy. So tell us about your involvement in the conference. So I'm Corey Aiken. This is my uh, fourth technical conference. And then I've also been to three of our coastal summits, uh, which is when we go to DC for a different, for a different reason than the technical conference. Um, I'm the co-chair along with my partner, Eve Eisman, of the Student New Professional Committee within ASVPA. I'm also the volunteer coordinator. So anyone who's been here sees me running around shouting at people to get them you, into places. You've got your hands full, Corey. I do. Um, but for some numbers, this was the largest ASPPA with um, at least 400, and 400 people pre-registered. And then with all the registrations, I think we hit upwards of 450 oh, wow. different people. We've had the most, this most we've had for concurrent sessions mm -hmm. um, with, I think it's like 49 current uh, sessions uh, throughout the entirety of these two days. Um, but that's a lot of information at this conference. It's a lot, and that's you know ranging from the engineers to the geologists and everything. So this was great, um, and I'm going to pass it off. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, next we've got Dolan Eversol, uh, who made the long voyage over from the beautiful Hawaiian Islands 
Dolan, uh, tell us about you and, and, and your, co your conference experience. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm Dolan Eversoll. I'm a University of Hawaii Sea Grant Extension agent. So I do outreach and extension for the University of Hawaii. And as you mentioned, I may have come the furthest. I'm not sure exactly, but um, happy to be here. And um, one of the things that um, I can share, I guess, is some of the work that we're doing in Waikiki. I serve as the beach manager for Waikiki Beach in association with a local tax district. So uh, they have contracted with the University of Hawaii for my time and service to advise them on projects that extend from end to end in Waikiki. So happy to be here and represent the Aloha State. Awesome. Dolan, it's great to have you. And up next, we have a familiar voice for uh, those people, our listeners out there, uh, the host of the Next Swell podcast, Rob Nixon. Rob, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I think this is a great conference. Um, I think uh, it's been, it, first off, I'm Rob Nixon, and uh, I'm with the Surfrider Foundation. I'm on the board of directors and run the uh, Local chapter down in South Texas, South Padre Island. Uh, we're a uh, coastal advocacy group that um, deals with beach access, clean water, uh, responsible development, and just about everything about the coast. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a really great organization. We have a great group of volunteers, and uh, you know our, our goal is to preserve and protect as much of the beach as you can and have everybody and absolutely everybody enjoy it as much as they can. Um, I really think this conference has been has been one of the best ones that I've been to. Um, I'll get into this later when we get discussing it, but I, I really dig the cultural change that's happened over the last few years with, uh, with Derek taking, taking over. So mm. I'll, I'll pass it on from that. Oh, that's, wow. Yeah. Cultural change. So... so can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like, what are you seeing that uh, that you're digging, man? So, when I first started coming to ASBPA meetings, it was, I mean, I used to joke that it was just a coastal engineer conference, and they were trying to sell their product. Mm -hmm. um, you know, under the reins of the former director, I won't say his name, but, um, and then when Derek took it over, it was a, he comes from a different background, um, and and a, I started noticing instead of armor, 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 and 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 you know build, 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 it became, you know, we got to work more with nature, um, and it, it's been a very different approach that has changed. I think, in a lot of minds, the the reputation of the ASBPA and made him uh, not such a a coastal engineer club, but a an actual organization that can that can help. Um, solve some problems on our coastline. It's interesting. I, I would love to uh, kick this over to our students in in the room, uh, because obviously you guys are are the future of, of coastal engineering and coastal management. Um, what what do you foresee being the future vis-a-vis -vis, uh, armament versus working with nature versus? I mean, this is super avant-garde, but retreat. <laughs> They've actually uh, mentioned that a few times and. Yeah, go ahead, Rob. They've, they've actually mentioned that. That was the biggest mind-blowing thing. It was uh, two years ago in New Orleans. I actually sat in, a, in a, a presentation that they actually talked about coastal retreat, which is like 
the political third rail. You don't touch that. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was awesome. So. Yeah, very interesting. Go ahead. So one thing on the on the retreat coming out of Florida, that is the most taboo term you can use. We don't have any place to go. And the other, and a number of the other coastal states, you can go west. We can't go west, and when we go north, there's just more people there. Mm-hmm. So seeing that around, it's one of the best ways to save, or like save property. But in a lot of places, it's hard. I'm sure that Hawaii is probably the same thing. And, and, and to pick up where Taylor, Taylor, your emphasis and engineering is in living shorelines. Uh, yes, yeah. Tell us about what got you to living shorelines. Why is that a good approach? What do you have to do in your career? Because that is an emerging trend at the ASBPA conference. Right. Um, so living shorelines, I think they mimic the natural shoreline. So, so we're restoring and protecting with using the natural features of that particular environment. And it's really cool because um, they can be implemented in most places. And um, yeah, you can, they're specific to each site too. So there's not like a set in stone way. This is the one way to do it. Um, you can get really creative in designing them and doing things like that. For our listeners out there, living shorelines means what? Um, there's a lot of folks who aren't in the engineering universe. What, tell us what it means. It, beaches do, I mean, what is it? So living shorelines has, um, I guess, a really wide definition because there are so many different types, I guess. But overall, it's like a, using natural features to mimic the natural environment. Like a dune system, right. a marsh system. Um, what else? Oyster reefs. Yeah, oyster reefs are a really big, are a really big part. Um, we have coral logs, uh, marsh, different things like that. Right now, we're working on a project at Gandy's Beach in downtownship, New Jersey, wow. and we're monitoring oyster castles as living breakwaters. And it's really cool because I've been there um, monitoring with a company, Mont McDonald and now continued with Stevens. And it's cool, over the past year and a half, I've seen like tremendous amounts of growth of the oysters and the castles. So it's great mm-hmm. to see. That's, that's awesome. I mean, I agree. I mean, it's clearly, uh, there's been a ton of research and effort to understand the ecosystems, the habitats that are along the shoreline I mean, goodness, on our podcast network, we dedicate a ton of time to discussing how those resources, those natural resources that uh, unfortunately can be lost if we don't protect them, actually have benefits that can be used for to protect upland investment, that right. have economic values that uh, are independent on their own. I mean, there's fisheries, there's just the recreational uh, ecotourism component. So I, I think that's fantastic that you've been working on that. Liz, tell us about your conference experience a little bit. You've been, I know that you've, you've been working on this New Orleans uh, uh, system and uh, you guys did this awesome uh, kind of innovative, I've never, I have not seen this. I think it's really cool that you brought this to the conference. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit about it. Sure. Uh, so I've been here at the conference uh, with a new 360-degree video that our coalition created, um, Restore the Mississippi River Delta. We're a coalition of five uh, nonprofits, national and local, advocating for coastal restoration. And so we found over time um, that the best way for people to understand what's going on in Louisiana is to take them out in a boat, 
show them marsh that's degrading or growing, take them up on a seaplane, but like we can't do that at scale, obviously. <laughs> so we're replicating that bird's eye view and on the ground experience through this uh, video that people watch in an Oculus Go headset. Uh, it's about a six minute video um, and you kind of go on a tour. You go to the Wax Lake Delta, which is a naturally growing uh, delta in Louisiana. You kind of see what the natural processes have left to do what they naturally did historically, um, how they built land. And then you go to parts of Louisiana that are losing land because uh, they're levied off from the river. They're losing that natural connection. And you get to visit my favorite part, uh, a barrier island restoration project, Whiskey Island. In action, you see the bulldozers pushing the dirt around. And it's happening all around you, up, down, look around. Um, and we're sort of bringing people virtually to the coast. Yeah. I thought that, I mean, I, uh, I, I took a ride on the on in the, the on the in the Oculus, and I'll tell you, it's it's incredible. It's such a powerful tool. Um, I can, I mean, you were telling me that uh, you have groups in Louisiana, wine wine in the wetlands, and you know, you, by now, now that this product has been produced, you can scale it because you just can hand out these headsets and distribute them. They're small, they're transportable, and I mean, it really is fascinating when you're standing there and you're walk you can turn your body turn your head around and you are on a boat going down the going down the bayou or whatever it is just so damn cool rob you had you had something you wanted well, to say I, so coming from a nonprofit background and i've done my share of tabling events and the big barrier usually is to try to communicate your message to the person you're talking to you know, you've got your elevator speech and all that stuff like that. What y'all have right now is the best tool I've ever seen in my life. Um, in six minutes, you get exactly what you try to put across. You get to see the land you're talking about. You get to see the areas you're talking about and the issues you're doing. And I think that's probably the most innovative thing I've seen in nonprofits in a long time. So I, I commend you guys. It's awesome. Well, I would like to say that brings up highlights of the conference. <laughs> well, I was just going to say for folks listening, you can watch the video online as well, so you don't need a headset, but it's at uh, MississippiRiverDelta.org slash 360. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Yes, of course. And, and uh, I think, Rob, that was one of the highlights for me of the conference was uh, seeing that because the other thing people don't realize is because some of it is shot on a drone, you're actually up in the air. And so you're floating along, you're in the, and you can look down at your feet and you're looking, you're flying over a river. It's just ridiculously incredible. But I wanted to ask Dolan and, and each of you, give us your, you know, give us a minute. What is the best thing you saw at the conference, either the best program or the best conversation? What was the highlights for all of y'all? Yeah, I, I, um, I noticed a couple of things. This is my second national coastal conference. But I've been to many conferences on all kinds of scientific and coastal issues. A couple themes that I observed over the last couple days is um, saw a lot of talks about climate change. And this is one of those underlying drivers for everything that we do, whether you're an engineer, a coastal manager, a politician, whatever, um, climate change is impacting what we do. And so uh, I saw a lot of presentations that talked about the impacts of things like sea level rise and how we're starting to plan for that. And one presentation about uh, the Sandag project in San Diego 
specifically called out how there is the perceived, if not actual, shift from erosion control to climate adaptation. And I've noticed that as an underlying theme in, in this conference is maybe a few years ago, it was very much kind of engineering centric. How do we armor? What's the best way to mitigate erosion to a more holistic approach now? And it's really exciting to see that shift and be part of it. And um, I saw a lot of presentations about this idea of adaptive management that you don't just fit, you know, find one solution that fits everywhere, even within one segment of shoreline. Um, like Hawaii is a great example of this, where even within a mile stretch of coast, you might have three or four different management techniques. Some areas you might want to armor or mitigate or landscape, coastal restoration in other areas. We're act actively talking about managed retreat in you know places like the North Shore of Oahu. Mm. We're not there yet. I think yeah. it's a very sensitive subject, um, but it, it, it points to this value of having a more holistic approach to how we manage the coasts and uh, in some ways kind of getting back to how we used to manage things before we had all this technology was it wasn't one size fits all and you, you have to be flexible. Yeah. Your presentation on Waikiki, that's your focus right now, correct? I mean, that's, that's right. Okay, yeah. so. I found it interesting that uh, you're dealing with a beach that is not historically a sandy beach. It was a wetland that was filled in the early 20th century, correct? Right. And your issues now, because iconically, when you think of Hawaii, and I love Hawaii, um, you think the Beach Boys and Waikiki Beach, and your presentation, I think, was really great as far as... as you're keeping that iconic thing going and you're managing the beach and keeping it the way that people think it should be done. And it, it, it's a weird, not a weird thing, but it's a very unique situation you're in dealing with a beach that was not like that and, and I know to maintain it. So I think it was a great presentation. Yeah, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that's unique about Waikiki and, and Hawaii in general, but Waikiki, I think, uh, represents this idea of an iconic beach. If you think about iconic features of the world, you know, you get the pyramids in Egypt and the Eiffel Tower and these places that many, many people around the world would instantly recognize. Waikiki Beach with Diamond Head in the background is one of those iconic images that it doesn't matter where you're from, you probably have seen that image and know where it originates. So we pay attention to that, that it does have an iconic feature to it. There's a lot of history there, even though, as you pointed out, it, the beach itself is only, in its current form, is only about 100 years old. It looked completely different prior to that. Mm -hmm. But now people have come to recognize it for what it is. And of course, there's a lot of cultural history behind that with the Beach Boys and surfing. That yeah. um, It's not unique to Hawaii in the fact that um, surfing and ocean recreation is an important component to almost every beach, but it's something that we, um, in Hawaii, we have to pay a lot of attention to, is paying back that respect and the tribute to the culture and the history there, and we don't want to lose that. And things are changing quickly, and we're talking about reconfiguring shorelines in Waikiki, in some cases with new structures. Uh, this is controversial, of course. Uh, but it, it's in, I think, many people's minds, it's, a, it's needed in order to maintain what's there now. 
but we also want to ensure that we don't change the history and the character of it at the same time. Yeah, I, I've, I've noticed that too, Dolan and, and Peter. I, I don't recall exactly when this came up, but there's a, a theme that we have been hearing on the podcast network is humility, that um, we are uh, anthropologically uh, changing these places. And I think that as we study and learn more, we have become, it, we have become increasingly humble, at least in this circle of people. Um, but I'll, I'll put that, Juing, you had something you wanted to add. Conference, <laughs> conference highlight. Yeah. Yeah. What, did, uh, you, what yeah. did you like about, your, this is your second conference. Yeah, yeah. What did uh, you like about this one? Um, for me, I think the, the best take home uh, is uh, back in those days, uh, when we do the project, we only focus on the local area. Now, I think with t today's technology, and uh, when we do the project, we really uh, focus on a, a comprehensive way. Look, look at the region, look at the whole system, instead of just uh, the focus on one local area. I think this uh, conference is so great that um, emphasizes this angle. And we, um, we have so many people from, uh, like from industry, from academia, from uh, government agencies, uh, different levels. Uh, it's all great and put things together and make sure we have a uh, we have a, a better environment for for our um, future generation i think absolutely yeah did you have any uh any presentations or posters that you found were particularly uh interesting that yeah. you're going to take away and, and take back with you yeah that's uh, that's a lot i just uh, bring one as example and the uh, um, people i forgot the name sorry uh, present something uh, from army crime engineering they present something uh, like a, uh, using uh, radar data to derive to conduct uh, the symmetry in real time that's really cool it can solve a lot of practical problem, also some scientific problems. For me, I, it's my great honor to present my uh, recent research about uh, uh, IRMA impact on our coast of West Central Florida. And I, I present my uh, research results and I actually get some uh, good feedback. Also, I meet some people from a uh, modeling angle can help me improve my research to, to understand this uh, impact better. So I appreciate this conference to provide me the opportunity to, uh, to introduce my study and also I get more information to improve my study in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, earlier today we were uh, uh, interviewing uh, the keynote on, at the awards luncheon, Paul Kumar, and um, he, uh, would, he would celebrate that sentiment that there's always more to learn, that you should listen to other people, your colleagues, that they can make your work better. And uh, that's something that he certainly highlighted in our interview yeah. earlier. Yeah. Corey, what about you? What's your highlight of the conference for you? I know other than helping it run on time and go really well, by the way, the food was absolutely fantastic, um, but really on a, on, a, on a substance side, what did you love about the conference? So um, I just want to um, build on to the other points here. Um, this being, I'm an old veteran with ASBPA at this point, and having, um, having so many different um, professions coming around and from so many different areas, uh, with Dolan here coming over from Waikiki, we had some <laughs> members that have come in from the United, uh, from the United Kingdom. 
Uh, I'm Florida. We've got Texas. I've seen the West Coast represented with, with Paul Komar. Having the just sheer amount of locations and different disciplines from geologists to the engineers has been very important. And I'm going to sound like I'm a broken record on this, but coming from a student new professional um, aspect, the number of students that were making their own presentations and own posters yeah. and the awards luncheon where we've had, um, we awarded, actually Taylor is one of the award winners, um, you know, just the amount of new blood, let's call it, coming in from from all over has been one of the best parts for me of this com of this conference because you get, you know, without the group that's coming, you have Paul Comar, you've got the names of Bob Dean or Skip Davis who have been you know, the titans of all of our research. Without them, we have nowhere to stand, but without the next generation, we have nowhere to go. And for me, that's my, well my biggest. That was great. And you know, you, met, you mentioned Taylor uh, received the Nick Krause Award, and I think we should just pause and congratulate you Absolutely. on that award for your Thank you. work. Uh, the Nick Krause was a, was a great coastal scientist, physicist, but really, and to, that is an, it's quite an honor and congratulations. and. And uh, so highlights for you, Taylor. Um, highlights for me, as this, like, this is my first ASBPA conference, so wasn't really sure what to expect, but it was great being able to network and see all these new professionals, all these different projects. Um, as a student, I'm not too familiar with different projects going on globally um, with different consulting firms and companies, so that was great to see. Um, and it was nice to connect things back to the classes that I'm taking. Uh, so for example, I'm enrolled in coastal engineering and urban oceanography courses. So it was great to connect different presentations back to themes in class. Um, and a lot of the themes in class do cover sea level rise and how that's going to be like a really um, important thing that, that'll be covered in the future yeah. um, in different projects. Taylor, we, I bumped into you. And you, I, you said that you saw a presentation about new drone technology and yes. how it can be used. Uh, give our listeners a little bit, enlighten us as to what you, you saw and why you thought it was so cool. Um, so there's a few drone projects going on at Stevens. Uh, one of them is um, using drones to get uh, data of elevations on beaches so we can get like... Um, if we take drone images and drone data over a time period, we can see how the beaches are changing, where the sediment's moving, uh, different things like that. So that's a really great tool. Um, Laura Lemke from Stevens gave a presentation, and she was also talking about how one way to collect elevation data is through RTK GPS. And if you have a backpack on with RTK GPS and how accurate that is compared to drones, um, turns out that the drones are more accurate because when people are walking, they're either hunched over or like their feet go into the sand a little bit. So I think that drones are a really good, like staple way to do. Um, it's a good platform to take those measurements. Right, yeah. right. Well, I think I, I just want to say really quick on that, uh, having bought surveying services and trying to figure out what the dune elevation is, <laughs> you realize you're going to put a whole bunch of people out of work when you all get into this when the technology of drones gets that precise, and especially if it gets anywhere near bathymetry, uh, it's really gonna change the whole process of project evaluation and development. It's a huge deal. Well, Peter's right, but adapt and overcome, right? Just 
that's the way it's business works. Yeah. So um, I want to get back to Taylor's comment and Taylor and Corey's comments. Um, I enjoy personally more than anything else the student presentations, um, and I sat through one today uh, on the uh, post Harvey sediment contamination in Galveston Bay. I learned one thing first off: don't buy any oysters from Galveston Bay ever again. But uh, <laughs> but what. What the really cool thing was, after that presentation, um, I've been pretty quiet on social media, but I was like, wow, I mean, the, you know, in Galveston Bay, over five days after Harvey hit, they had mercury levels that would take 21 years normally to accumulate in Galveston Bay. I mean, that just blew my mind. So I sent it on Twitter and Facebook. In like five minutes, she's coming up to me, she's like, my professor saw it. You guys friends? Like, I didn't think so, but I guess we are now. So, um, but it's out there so quick because people are communicating outside of this conference as well. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I think I'm not alone in enjoying to see what the students are doing more than anything else because you, typically, you know, professionals, there are some that can adapt really well, but they get to a point where they're kind of set in their ways. And y'all are bringing up the new ideas and, and the new ways of doing stuff. Uh, and I really appreciate it. So thank you. That's well said, Rob. And uh, I think that one of the important uh, uh, rejuvenators of the field is to, uh, is to have uh, diversity of you know, people at various stages in their career. And Taylor, you're obviously um, just starting out, but you're already have ideas and you're already beginning to contribute to all of the discussion here. And I mean, that's that's why these conferences and getting everybody together is so important that uh, we can share ideas and kind of, you know, as we say over and over again on the American Shoreline Podcast Network, come out of our silos. And, you know, we have a tendency to, to get into our zone and focus, 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 our blinders are on. Um, and, and take care of our work. But when you come to these conferences, it gives you a moment to kind of go out and look at the landscape scale changes that are happening, the trends. And I think that's, I think that's really important for just the health of this industry, for the health of the American shoreline. Liz, what do you want to say? Oh, well, I was just going to add that I think uh, there's so much great research happening here. And like you were saying, uh, studies being shared. And I think it's great that it's also getting shared outside of the conference. So you were just saying you shared that on social media and interacted with the professor and the research. And I think, you know, podcasts like this, Twitter, these are great tools to, to help get all that information that's happening here out to the wider audience that maybe couldn't make it or is just interested in all that the studies that are being shared. And I just wanted to think that's really great. And I think what you guys are doing here is really awesome with this new podcast. Um, can I give a little plug for Please our podcast do. too? Please uh, do. Yeah, so we also have been experimenting with, again, just new ways of sharing information uh, with others. Um, and we have a podcast in Louisiana too. It's called Delta Dispatches. It's also the name of our blog. We're just you know, it was great. I just wanted to use it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also use it to try to get, have special guests on and just talk about different topics related to the coast, chefs, historians. Because mm-hmm. um, again, trying to get out of silos, and these all are interconnected, all these different parts of our work. So. Well, I think that Delta Dispatches, I'm looking forward to going back and listening to some of the past issues. Where do I find it? 
deltadispatches.org. <laughs> well, and it would can, be. You can subscribe to it on Apple, uh, probably wherever you get yes. your podcast, just like this one. You can you can get that one. Well, I, I wanted to thank you, uh, thank you guys for doing this too. And I, I think finding new ways to, to talk about the coast and to stretch out the conversation, both in terms of the generational perspectives and the subject matter is absolutely key. And uh, Dolan, on the highlights of the conference for you, what are you, or what's your perspective on, on where we are? Well, thank you. I wanted to add something to this idea of education and outreach and um, finding ways, new ways to communicate. And I think this podcast is one of those new kind of cutting edge, I don't know if it's a technology, but a, a new way to communicate with people. And, and like a media. Yeah, it's a media. Yeah. It's, a, it's a method, I suppose. But that was one of the other themes that I wanted to mention that I heard repeatedly throughout the conference is this need to engage and educate communities on individual projects, in most cases, early mm -hmm. and often. And um, I think every project, any kind of coastal project, this is certainly an example of um, a critical process that maybe wasn't considered as important as it is now in the past. And um, several projects in Hawaii have completely failed because of that, and I'm sure we're not alone. And so we pay a lot of attention to that. I think collectively as a community, the need to educate our communities on what's going on and why and who's paying for what and how, how's this all gonna work out in the end is a critical component. And one of our keynote speakers um, yesterday spoke about that is the transition from the old paradigm of you design and then you've kind of build it and, or start building it and then you tell people what you've decided. Uh, I think that's not working anymore. And so the new paradigm now is that you engage the community and start getting feedback on what would they like to see? What is the vision and the outcome of the project? Mm -hmm. In some cases, you, you can't tweak it that much, but in many cases, you, you can certainly accommodate community concerns, whether they be environmental, economic, or cultural, so. Um, one of the highlights this year for me, um, Dolan, you touched on it, Peter, you touched on it, said Michael, um, and I believe the first time I ever heard about it, I, I, I don't know previously if it was a theme or a regular presentation within the ASPPA or even on the coast for the most part um, is the idea of, you know, if you want it, you got to pay for it, you know, type of deal. And we all know about funding and your projects and the typical response is, okay, the feds, the state, the county, someone's going to pay for it, right? Um, I think, Peter, you were the first one I ever heard that came up with the, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the the willingness of the, of the population or the residents to start pointing up the money. You know, you want to guess, you want to be protected, you don't be relying on the state or the, or the, you know, or the feds for this. You guys got to pay a little extra. Um, Dolan, your tax districts in Waikiki, I think, are, are, are a great thing. The businesses are putting in for what they want there. They want their, their golden goose and they're willing to put up for it. And uh, Michael's presentation was a little more blunt than both of y'all's. It was basically higher taxes for the coast. Um, 
And that's always been a big issue. I mean, because our populations are moving out toward the coast and it's kind of a vice versa thing, but the inlanders don't want to pay for all the problems on the coast. And the coastal people don't want to pay for all the problems the inlanders have, like along a river, you know, this it's kind of the same thing. Like the coast gets a lot of the attention because a hurricane and a flood and, and all that stuff is, is a lot more uh, news friendly because you can have the pictures and all the video and stuff like that of the destruction. Um, whereas, you know, inland, you know, you have the floods happening regularly on lakes and rivers and stuff. And that happens and doesn't get as much attention. So I think what y'all's work is doing um, and basically putting it out there that and enlightening and education the people that want to live on the on the coast, you know, if you want it and you want to keep it this way, you're going to have to pay for it. You got to participate. Yeah. And you got to invest in what you want. Yeah, and, and Dolan is, and I think we're on the same page in terms of the community engagement part. And I'll tell you, as <laughs> radical as we get, Tyler and I, when we're doing local government uh, project development and particularly in the issue of taxes and contribution, which people tend to get a little excited about when you talk about increasing taxes maybe by 20 or 30 percent, is I'll tell you, the, the thing that's interesting to me is we go to the process with the problem and not the solution. And it's, it's, this education piece is so important, getting people to understand it. Uh, we're used to the idea, people have been trained by the idea that the engineers are gonna show up and it's, something's gonna happen and I'm going fishing. That's not how it's working now because of the local responsibility. And what I would say if there was one lesson I've learned over the years of doing it is go sit in front of a group of people and say, we think we have a problem. And they might say, well, gee, what is it? Let's talk about the problem without a solution, without a proposal, and say, we are here in the process to find, as I say, to discover the solution. And what it means is, is it's a very humble approach to, and it, it, it's a lot of work, and Tyler has been spent thousands of hours doing this, but you end up talking to people intensely about what do they understand the problem to be, how, how the different approaches could be proposed and you end up going through lists of things that you know won't work because you got to you have to listen engage the public let them help create it help them shape it that's what i would say is the best way to do the engagement process well i agree i mean what comes to mind immediately is uh, uh last night uh, we had the uh, traditional annual asppa volleyball game um, Good that times. game would not have been possible a few years ago before that beach was built out. Uh, that was a couple million cubic. We actually, Ruben Trevino just stepped in the room and could tell us all about it. But, uh, what am I um, <laughs> but uh, we, Peter was there. I overheard Peter talking with Tony Pratt, the uh, president of ASPPA, is that right? Is that his title? Yep, he is our and, president. Yeah, and um, he said, you know, here's the deal. Here we are standing on this beautiful beach and there's this, he's like, look at all those car lights going by. Look at all of those businesses. Look at just the glistening lights of that city. And then you could look out into the ship channel and see like 20 massive ships lined up. And he's like, people don't realize that this beach is a huge generator. And, and what I wanted to add is that 
we for the longest time, I say, when I say we, it's the royal we, we as a society have perceived the beach as being free. It was something that God gave us. Um, the truth of the matter is, and Dolan, you know, like Waikiki is like the Eiffel Tower. We built it. Uh, uh, I guess uh, Diamond Head or whatever is natural. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, the, the beach is, is man-made. And this beach out here is man-made. And it's not free. And managing it and maintaining it is not free, which is why when we talk about who our community is and who we need to message to in these conferences, we, there are three, I view it as three kind of uh, groups. And I view this as our audience in, on this podcast net network and with Coastal News Today. You have your uh, coastal professionals who work on these issues every single day, like all of us. You also have pu people who are publicly accountable. Ruben, I would put you in that category. Um, and Dolan, you too. These are people who uh, answer to the public. You work in government. You work, you work in kind of our public institutions to manage the beaches. But there's this third category that we need to get better at messaging, and these are coastal stakeholders who maybe don't know their coastal stakeholders yet. These are people who own beach houses here on Galveston Island, or who re or who really care about the bay, or who fish, and they don't they don't always necessarily think about this as being an asset that they need to pay for, but in fact they do. And that's why I, we must include them in our demographic. And whenever we're doing these podcasts and whenever we are uh, thinking about who's my imaginary audience in my, in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking about that person who's like, you know, they don't, beach renourishment might be a foreign term for them, you know? Anyway, those are my thoughts. Ruben, do you have anything you'd like to add to that? Well, they're kind of y'all covered a lot. Is there anything y'all talked about engagement and how people perceive beach nourishment? Was that the, the topic as I walked well, in? Um, first of all, for the audience, Ruben Trevino, the director of operations for the Galveston Park Board of Trustees, oversees all of the beach and shoreline management projects. I guess you run all the coastal parks too. I yes. think you got a staff of 80. Uh, and I, have you gone on the tour or you just got back from the tour? The field trip? Yeah. The no, field trip kicks off and. Yeah, 17 minutes. So. Okay, so <laughs> welcome, that. Ruben. Uh, it's really, really great to have you on the American Shoreline podcast. Um, but yeah, we've covered a lot of ground. And I think, um, um, well, uh, the one conversation I, topic I really want to ask you is, what is the highlight of the conference for you? And by the way, the chair of the conference this year uh, as well. Co-chair. So we all have to... Uh, give a round of applause to to Ruben for putting on a great conference and let me just say the best food we've had the best <laughs> I think the facility good, yeah. was absolutely great and uh, I would just give you an A plus I think this was a superbly done conference and thank you very much well, thanks for thanking me but there were a lot of people behind it I and I take very little credit for it but it's um, been fun what it, what on the substance what what stands out um, in the conference for you um you know, I think one big push that I've been doing since I've joined ASPPA 10 years ago and recognized the value that I got from it was being the frontline manager on South Padre Island for so many years. Um, I was able to take the knowledge that I learned from these incredibly smart people here, engineers, biologists, and take that back and apply it. I'm a biologist. You know, I've got a major master's in biology, so I, I, I love reading scientific papers. I love um, understanding things, how they work, how they connect. But I've been fortunate enough to be on the front line where I've been able to apply it also. 
And that, I think, is what's been able to uh, make a difference in my career uh, since I started. So I think the, the dedicated track that we had this, uh, this year for the operations was huge for me. It's something I've been pushing for a while. Uh, we had a mini session on it last year, which was pretty well attended. This year, we had a whole Thursday dedicated track to it. And to me, um, to see so many new people here at the conference, I don't know if it was directly related to that or not, but you know, there were public works directors here. I, I admit at least three or four of them that just saw the, you know, the, the people who are on the front line that, that are in local government, they, there's no classes for how do you maintain a beach? You know, how do you, what's the best way to manage the vegetation line? What, what should you be doing and what should you not be doing in the sensitive environment? Yeah, I mean, all the things that come to it. So I, I think just for me, bringing those people to this conference who hopefully found value in it and just having those conversations with, with, with the people who are developing the policy, because they're, the, they're the, not the smart ones, but they're the ones that get to focus and concentrate on that. And then if we can start bridging that gap, I think um, we can make a huge difference. And I think we're doing that every day, every year with the projects we're doing. Um, you know, I sat in um, Derek's talk right now about the Dust Bowl and the policies are changing. I mean, I wanted to see and that, that. You know, it is relatable, you know, and he started talking about how we got to start thinking bigger and, and better. And, you know, I think we're, we're moving in that direction. You know, WERDA had the 10 uh, BUDM pilot projects mm -hmm. listed. It's taken a while for that to start. But the latest WERDA bill actually expanded that list from just 10 projects to 20. So what I'm thinking is they got a the lot message. of really good projects submitted and that they're, they, they really see some value in this. Right. So I think for me, um, everybody here with the conference, um, you know, it, it's been great. It's what I like said in the kickoff is it's all these different professions and experts. It's not just planners. It's not just engineers. It's not just biologists. It, it brings together all these experts and we're able to share and it's more project centric than it is um, career centric. So, mm -hmm. well, I, I want to say the highlight for me was really just, again, the diversity of the viewpoints here. Look, I said this to Tony Pratt last night, we're at the American shore and beach preservation conference. And here's who we're not talking to yet. There is an, here are the economic forces and drivers on the American shoreline that influence extensively what you have to do Ruben and beach operations, but is the real estate industry, which changes the shoreline all of the time and drives coastal shoreline policy and drives the permitting and the regulatory structure. The shipping industry is a massive force on the American shoreline, and we aren't, they aren't here. The fisheries industry, which is commercial and recreational, these economic sectors influence everything, and, and it's really what creates the work of this conference, what the coastal engineers have to contend with, the geologists. And, Part of Coastal News Today, and, part, and I'm going to do a shameless plug, I think Coastal News Today and the American Shoreline Podcast Network, we are trying to say, when are we going to have the conversation with all of the parties? And that means from the students to the professionals and to the economic interests that drive the shoreline. And we, I think this is what Tyler and I are hoping to do. Full, we are doing it full time. What we're hoping to do is be able to do it full time. And what that means is we need listeners and we need sponsors and we need advertisers. So I'm just going to say shamelessly for those listening, go to coastalnewstoday.com, put your name in the bottom, sign up for the email, look at who we're trying to cover, look what we're doing. 
and contact us and please put an ad up. We've got some great opportunities to reach an, a broader audience and we need to do that. And, and uh, I'm a ter I, this is the last thing, I'm terrible at this. I hate selling stuff, but now I, I, selling a tax plan to taxpayers to fix a beach, I like doing that, but, <laughs> but doing so like, but we really do need to support and I'd ask everybody who's listening to spread it around um, and get on the mailing list and let's have the big raucous conversation that the American shoreline deserves and let's sort it out. And I want to thank everybody. And Liz, we're not wrapping up yet. Please, if you have any final comments, but yeah, final comments. Do a thing we call concluders. Uh, we'll go around, Liz, you'll lead off uh, and uh, we'll just go around any concluding thoughts you'd like to end the show with. Sure, well, again, this was my first ASBPA conference, and I just, I was great meeting, everyone here is so smart, and I, I learned not all sand is equal. Sand is not sand is not sand, <laughs> which I admittedly did not really know. Um, so uh, I just think it was a really great opportunity to meet so many smart and passionate people, and I hope to help convey those ideas out to the broader audience, so thank you. Uh, this is Ruben. Uh, again, I just want to thank everybody who attended and made it such a great event. And, you know, again, that's what makes this so special is the people who come here want to share what they're doing. And there's so much value in that because I'm a big believer in learning from other people's errors um, and, and successes and successes. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, there's a lot to learn on, on uh, just through the stories. So I value that. Um, yeah, it was great. It was great to be here and network and see all these different projects going on, um, not only locally, but globally. Um, it really helped to understand the big picture of coastal engineering projects and how different people around the world are all trying to tackle similar issues. Um, and thank you to everyone else at ASBPA, too. It was a great, great first experience. And congratulations on the event. Thank you. Yeah, this is Dolan, and I wanted to conclude with um, a reflection on what we had discussed today a little bit on this podcast was outreach, stakeholder engagement, education, really key to everything we do. <clears throat> and as an example of that, um, the ASBPA has reached out to us to ask us what our top concerns management issues are. I'm really looking forward to seeing what those, I mean, I was taking some notes on what I saw on the poster board out there, and I saw some themes, uh, climate change being one of those, water quality is another one, uh, aging infrastructure is another major theme, and uh, my understanding is these concerns will be conveyed back to the ASBP BPA board for uh, possible consideration for future focus areas what are we doing as an organization? So classic example of uh, stakeholder outreach feeding back into your programmatic uh, focus areas. Thanks, Dylan. Rob? Um, I guess my closing comments would be, I said this earlier, but um, when I first started coming to ASPPA, actually when I first heard about ASPPA, um, when I got the opportunity to come to the first conference, um, you know, coming from the aspect of a coastal activist, um, it, in my opinion, my understanding of it was you know, they're the enemy. They want to put concrete everywhere. You know, they want to 
do everything. Um, and initially it was kind of like that, but I came into the first conference as I wanted to be the antagonist. I wanted to call shit, you know, and ruffle some feathers. Yes, yes, and pissing people off, you know, that, that, that type of thing. And it's evolved, like I said, with the changing of directors, it's evolved into more of a sharing of ideas. People are accepting of other opinions, and you can actually sit here and discuss it. And it's long enough conference, you know, three days, that you can actually set up meetings outside of it. You can talk to people, and you can get through stuff, and get the ideas, and get the contacts, and follow up later. But uh, uh, the evolution that I've seen in the last 10 years of ASPPA is a huge improvement for the organization, and I think it's it's a uh, it's been a, a very big positive for the, for the for the the brand of the ASPPA. Thanks, Rob. I think that is uh, well said, and I want to thank uh, Rob Nixon, Jing Chang, Taylor Zimmerman, Corey At Aiken, Dolan Eversaw, Liz Gray, uh, Tyler Buckingham, uh, my co-hosts, and always Max, the sound guy. I wanted to thank our sponsor, Dune Doctors, uh, out of uh, Pensacola, Florida. Dune Doctors is one of the premier dune and shoreline restoration firms that I know of. They've been around for 17 years. They're here at the conference. It's great to see them. Uh, but Frederic Barrasset, the owner of that company, does a fantastic job, super serious. So if you're a shoreline property owner, manage large properties, or are working with local governments and are interested in natural dune restoration with native dune plants, one of the best methodologies, I think, for shoreline response. Uh, give our friends at Dune Doctors a call, uh, www.dunedoctors.com. Well, well before, and, and before we sign off, Peter, do you have a concluder? A concluding statement. I, you know, I would say what I was said before. I think what we're trying to do here with Coastal News Today and ASPN is, is important, and it fits mm -hmm. within the broader theme of what's happening here. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I, this is what I, we want to be doing full time. We have to work hard at this, and we really need to reach the audience. And we're just hoping, help us spread the word. And Absolutely. Liz, I really want to talk to you about Delta Dispatches and bringing it into the network. and having that show part of it because we absolutely have to have that Louisiana perspective on the American shoreline. It is the most uh, advanced, I think some of the most advanced coastal thinking in the country is coming out of Louisiana and we really need it to do that. I'd love to talk to you about that. Maybe that's my closing thought is <laughs> I want to work with you, Liz. And, and, uh, and I just want to thank Tyler, uh, all the work and you and Max, Max Miller, the sound guy who always makes us sound better than we are. Thank you, Max. Well, my concluder is that uh, turns out at ASBPA we have quite a few really talented volleyball players. Uh, Liz, you're one of them. Uh, and Max, the sound guy, is, is really great. But Derek, wow, Derek can play. So my concluder is uh, come to ASBP, ASBPA next year. It's in Myrtle Beach, and it's going to be another great conference. They get better every year. Oh, yeah, there's a decent. Here, Ruben, let me hand this off to you. Definitely say uh, every March, fe late February and March, we go to D.C. as an ASBPA organization to go lobby about our projects, our efforts, our initiatives, and, and just try to educate folks. And this year it is March 12th through the 14th. So please come out and uh, participate. Yeah, National 
Coastal Summit in March of 2019. The October National Conference, ASBPA National Conference, October in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And the gauntlet will be laid down. The public policy volleyball team is going to be the engineers and the geologists. We're going to win it next year. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, everybody.